So it's already been one of those mornings. Yeah. I always know when it's going to be fun because something happens with the sound or my headset, and this morning it was my headset. <sighs> you know what that means? God's in the house. God is in the house. So this morning on the way in, Barb plays this song for me, and uh, she said, oh, I really felt like when I was praying this morning, this was for you. And it, it's, uh, the song was actually a kind of a rendition of uh, Zechariah 4, verse 6. And God said, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Whatever you're facing, it's not by might, it's not by power that you're going to get the victory. It's by his spirit. Jesus already won. He's already won the battle. We just have to accept that fact and walk in that victory. And there are too many, I believe today, that claim to be Christians that are not walking in victory. This message is for you. If you're online, I'm speaking to you as well. I know that there are many who are struggling today. Different things are hitting you different temptations that you have dealt with your whole life, and you're like, I don't know if I can get the victory over this. Well, I want to tell you, it's not by might, it's not by power, it is by His Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And that's what all of us need to realize this morning. Now, my title, which if you were here uh, in the last few weeks, you know that I was, I'm supposed to be talking about the gifts of the Spirit. But... With all the events going on around us, it's, and I've heard from many pastors that this is the case with them as well, they felt like, you know what, I need to kind of shift gears this Sunday and just talk a little bit about what's going to happen in the end times. So, and here we go. I want to be brutally honest with you. You may get your toes stepped on this morning. <laughs> you may feel, well, he's being judgmental. But I want to just say, I'm just the messenger. What I'm going to be sharing today is God's word. So don't shoot me. And, and hear this part. And Brother Dan brought this up this morning. I shared a little bit with him before I came out. And he said, just be like a dad. If you're a dad and your kid's messing up, or if you're a mom, Judy, and your kids are messing up, do you just let them keep messing up? You do not. You take the whooping stick to them, not literally, but, oh, can you let Aunt June do that? Yeah, okay, yeah. Aunt June will take the whooping stick to them. I just want to be honest with you because here's why. When we look at everything going on around us, it appears that we could be really, 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 really close to Jesus coming back. Which means you and I must be ready. I want to see all of you. I want to see you online. I don't want to see you online. I want to see you in heaven. Amen. I want to see everybody in heaven. Some of you guys live in different states that are watching us online. and We're going to have a big reunion when we get to heaven. And I just want everybody here to know that as I speak this message today, it is from my heart. I've labored over this this week, not knowing what to say. And how many know I love these kind of messages? I don't. I don't like being the disciplinarian in church. I was okay with it being a dad. I did my job, due diligence as a father. But as your pastor, sometimes I struggle with this. And I'm, I'm just telling you how it is. So, Father, would you pray for your pastor right now? Father, just give me the insight. Give me the heart, Lord. Help me just to speak what you have put on my heart and let it be from you. Lord, right now, soften the hearts of our people. 
Lord, just give them everything that they need to apply this message. And if there's anybody here or online that's struggling with something, Lord, at the end of this message, I pray for breakthroughs. I pray for deliverance. I pray, Lord, that you would do what only you can do. And it's not by might and it's not by our power, but it is by you, Holy Spirit. And we yield to you today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So would you agree with me that we are living in a day and an age where it appears we're drawing closer and closer and closer to what I like to call the Perugia. That was a title. What everyone needs to know. How, how many have seen the Aldi's commercial? You know, I just need you to know. Right? Nobody's seen that, just us? All right, thank you for raising your hand. Yeah, three of us. It's just the old people? Sorry, Claudia. <laughs> it's a funny commercial because it's not a sale. I just need you to know it's not a sale. Well, I just need you to know he's coming back. And one, one last digression. As I went out this morning and I thought, man, you look like somebody. And I'm trying to think. And then I come in and one of the guys goes, you look like Captain Kurt. And I was like, yeah, I, yeah, I guess I do. <laughs> Beam me up, God. <laughs> We're going to get into that in just a minute. Yeah. All right, where was I? We're living in the, the day and age that we call the Perugia, which is the second coming of Christ. We know that the events that the, the Scriptures talk about are coming to pass there's very little that's left un, undone, as far as I know, anyway. How many have been watching the news lately? And the Middle East is inflamed, right? I mean, there's so many things going on around this world today, but much of it has to do with the Middle East. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 24. When we see these things on TV, when we hear them in the news or read them, we should bear witness with what's going on and be able to say, yeah, Jesus is coming back. Jesus said in Matthew 24 that in the last days, Christians would be persecuted. Are we seeing that? <laughs> You know, in this country, eh, we might get an egg thrown at us. We might have somebody throw a bad word at us. But in other countries, when you confess Jesus as Lord, you can literally lose your head. We will suffer persecution and we would face all kinds of trials. He also said there would be wars and rumors of wars. Are we seeing that? The Everywhere you look, there's something going on. And you know, this is funny, kind of. You know who the ones the world hates the most are? You're saying Israel. And I agree with you partially. But who's the other one they really, really, really don't like? The United States. The country that all of us live in. They don't like us. Because we are, up to this point anyway, the peacemakers. The peacekeepers. What did we do? We sent our warships into the Middle East. They're sitting off the coast of Israel. Not to blow anybody up unless it's necessary. They're there to keep the peace. And as such, do you think the devil likes us? No, because he wants to eliminate Israel. And we're preventing that from happening. What about natural disasters? Oddities in the sky. How many saw the eclipse? People were all, oh, ah. I didn't see it. It was cloudy in Michigan. We're always robbed, right? But a lot of people did see it. I saw pictures. It was pretty cool. 
But Jesus said that the stars in the heavens will collapse. I don't know what that means, but I'm guessing it's going to be pretty, pretty scary. Many will come imitating Christ. What did Jesus say about them? Don't follow them! There's only one Christ. Jesus, the Son of God, our Lord. And of course, Jerusalem will be this central, central big, they'll play the central part of all this. This is going to happen. Jesus said that they're going to come in, they're going to set up the abomination in the temple. And that's one of the reasons that some of the other religions want that space is because they want to put something else there. A big temple, but not the one that honors God. All these signs are going to precede what? The big event when Jesus Christ returns for his church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I want to start reading from verse 30 in Matthew 24 today, and I'm going to, then I'm going to shift over to 2 Thessalonians, but just bear with me. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear where? In the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. Now, are Christians going to be in deep mourning? What are we going to be doing? Woohoo! We're going to dance. We're going to be excited because we know that our reward is coming. And we're going to be with the Lord forever. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven in power and great glory. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped a part. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a mighty blast of a trumpet and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of earth and heaven. Who are his chosen ones? Anybody that confesses Jesus as Lord. Look at your neighbor and ask them, are you a chosen one? You, you can be, and you will be by the end of this. In verses 32 to 35, I'm not going to put all of them up. Jesus said something about, else about his return. He started to talk about the time that he will return. And who knows about it? Who does know when Jesus is coming back? Only the Father. That good, good God that we talked about. He knows. And he's going to say, all right, go get him, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Only the Father knows the hour when Jesus will return. But, in this, these verses it says this, not unlike the fig tree, when spring goes into summer, what do you know about the fig tree? It's going to grow figs. It's going to have fruit. I could have used the term cherry tree. In the summer, you know that those cherries are going to be on the tree. The fruit is born. It's it's on the tree, ready to eat, right? And Jesus said, just like that, when you see all these things, say all those things. When you see all these things happening, <laughs> what do you know? Jesus is about to come. All right. I'm done. I'll just stop here, end the service. No, I'm not going to. I'm going to say this. What does this all mean for us? Ah, here we go. It means that if you've not already done so, you must get right with God. Amen. You have to be ready for the Lord's coming. Whisper that to somebody, the Lord's coming. If you're ready, it means you're going to go along with him. You hear that? If you're ready, it means you're going to go along with him. And what should Christians be doing while we're waiting for the Lord? 
Get others saved. Bring them along with you. Your, your children, your family members, your neighbors, your coworkers. Well, I don't like my coworkers. I know. They probably don't like you. Especially if you're serving Jesus. But that doesn't release us from being God's voice. We are his ambassadors. We take the good news to all the people. And that's our duty. Well, how do I do that, Pastor? You tell them your story. Have you really been changed by the blood of the Lamb? Has Jesus really infiltrated that darkness? Are you free from sin? If you are, you have a story to tell. Share this passage from Matthew 24. Say, look, man, it's right there. This is what it's going to look like just before he comes back. And then pray for them with their permission. Don't just, let's pray. You know, ask them, can I pray with you? And just ask the Lord to take the blinders off. It's not rocket science. It's actually fairly easy, but many of us are afraid to do it. Well, what if they ask questions? <sighs> Jesus said the Holy Spirit would fill your mouth Amen. when you're asked. You've got to believe that. You've got to trust by faith that God's going to fill that apparatus on right below your nose for most of us. Okay, for all of us. Time is short, church. Time is short. We need to throw the net out. We need to bring in the harvest. Jesus said in Matthew 5, I believe it is, he said, the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. We're all laborers, and we need to get out there, and we need to cast that net. Back to Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to read verse 37 and following. Here, Jesus is describing the environment that we're going to see right before he gets here. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. Oh, what do you think it was like in Noah's day? Very similar to what we're seeing today. Right was wrong, wrong was right. People did their own thing, lived their own lives. Nobody cared about anybody else. Nobody cares about me. That's not how the church is. We talked about that last week, didn't we? In the week before, or two weeks before, whenever it was, we talked about love. That the church should represent the love of God and the love for each other. It wasn't like that during Noah's day, and it's not like that today. People are, are so self-absorbed. The world rotates around them. And we know that's not true, but that's how people act. And we've lost our sense of concern and care for one another. In those days before the flood, verse 38, people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. They didn't care. Now, just an emphasis here, it had never rained. <laughs> they didn't know what rain was. When, the, when the, the dew came, it watered the earth. But at this point, everything was going to change. They were going to see what rain really did or could do. And it came in the form of a giant flood. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. You may have a family member that's not there. They aren't living for the Lord. They've turned their backs on Him. 
Your heart's got to break. Pray for them. Pray that the Holy Spirit break through that darkness and love them. Don't yell at them. You think yelling really does anything? No. Love them. Love them into the kingdom. That's what they need. Unconditional love. No strings attached. Think about what Jesus is saying here. First, the flood was a sign of God's judgment. Would you agree with that? God had wiped, God had had enough with the people of Noah's day with their sinful lifestyles that he had just said, I've had it. I'm wiping them out. And not unlike uh, Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah, God said, are there any righteous? And he ended up finding one family. In this case, it was Noah's family. They were the only ones left, right? And God said, all right, here's what I want you to do. Took them a hundred years, according to the Bible, but they built a giant boat. (laughs) I would love to see this, and I think someday we'll get to. Now, you could go down to Cincinnati, just south of there, and actually see a rendition of the ark, which I've heard is pretty cool at the Creation Science Museum. But it's not the same one, though, but it's still pretty cool. Noah did what God said. Even though there had never been any rain, he listened to God and he said, okay, Lord, you want me to build a boat? I will. And he built this giant structure, 450 feet long, 50 feet wide. I don't know how high. don't remember. It's not important. And then God called all the animals, two of every, every kind, every species, to come to the boat. They got on, Noah's family got on, and God sealed that thing up. And then the rain came. There was nowhere that you could hide except on the boat. And all those people perished. Do you think God was up there going, Oh, yeah! It broke his heart. But he'd had enough. And then he said this. He he gave the rainbow as a promise that he would never again completely flood the earth like he did with Noah and his family. And we're hanging on to that today because we've seen some torrential floods but not global. There's still places to go. Hmm. Second, the boat was a form of salvation for Noah and his family. They were the only people at that time that God saw as righteous. Jesus is our boat. Hello? Jesus is our salvation. Jesus is our way out from having to face God's judgment. How many know when God gets angry, it's a righteous anger, and it's not something you want to be on the other end, the receiving end of it? He wants all men, all women, all boys and girls to be saved. But it is a choice. It is free will. We get to decide, yes, I'm going to follow you, Lord, or no. And if it's the latter, if that's you, you will face judgment, the wrath of God. Third, the ungodly people had no clue what was coming at them until the rain started. 
They went on living their sinful lives up until the very moment that God sealed the doors or door of the ark. The same is true with this generation. Recently, I've been watching this commercial. I don't want it to sound like I watch a lot of TV because <laughs> I really don't, but it just happens. I don't have channels, so I'm watching the, the sim, same. They play the same commercials over and over. And in this one, this, this lady is saying, it's my body, I can do whatever I want with it. The government needs to keep its nose out of it. People need to keep their nose out of it. Well, we'll see how that works when you're standing before the judge. It's not your body, it's God's. He has loaned it to you. The Holy Spirit should be living in you. And that's not what we do as Christians, is it? There will be two kinds of people when Jesus returns. People who love Jesus, they're going to be filled with joy when he comes riding in on that cloud. And people who hate him, they're the ones that are going to mourn because they're going to immediately, instantly, at that very second, know that, uh-oh, I blew it. What that dude at work's been telling me for 10 years, I should have listened. But it's going to be too late. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Life goes on. People are working. I could sit, put it like this. Brother Tom Marsh, retired pastor over here, you worked at General Motors, didn't you? Yeah, so I could put it like that. Two men will be working on the line. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be working in the... The bakery, one will be taken, one left. To make it, or put it in a modern context. Who's doing the determining on who's going? God. Now many scholars believe that since Jesus spoke of judgment and the flood is the, the final sign, that these two verses allude to God's angels plucking the wicked from the earth. I'm trying to show you both sides, okay? That's actually how some people feel. Other scholars believe that these two verses are a sign of what we in the Assemblies of God like to call the rapture. Or, where's Brother Ron? Is he here? What do we call it? The blessed hope, right? That, that's something I heard from being a young little guy in the, in the Lord. We call it the blessed hope. Why is it blessed because God isn't going to judge his church like he does the sinner. Yes, we're going to be judged on the basis of what we accomplish. The things we get done for the Lord, we're actually going to get a reward for that. It's win-win. We get to spend it forever with God and we get rewarded. How cool is that? Hallelujah. A time is coming when God is going to pluck his people from this planet. In the twinkling of an eye, we will be with him forever. And note that when Jesus returns, there's going to be a war. A war that's called in the Bible Armageddon. And during that war, Jesus is going to defeat the devil, the Antichrist, and all who do evil. And that war is going to be really short, according to Scripture. Jesus is going to open his mouth. I don't know what he's going to say, but when he says it, 
That's it. Where do we want to be? With them. The Apostle Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, for God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Say, not to pour out his anger on us. Let me ask you this. If, if you're born again, you believe and put your faith and trust in Jesus, yes, we're going to face persecution. I already said that. But the wrath of God was never intended for his people. That's why Jesus came to save us. And that's my point. I don't believe we're going to be judged with the world. Just like Noah, we're going to be taken away. We're going to be kept safe during this uh, horrendous period of time that the Bible calls the tribulation, the seven-year period, that we do not want to be here. Does this make sense to anybody else besides me? If you'll allow me, I want to shift to First Thessalonians now. I want to look at this event that we call the rapture. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 to 18. And by the way, this is supposed to encourage you. How many could use some encouragement today? Just look around the globe. <laughs> every time I do, every time I read the news, I think, thank God you're going to take us home soon. Kind of small print, but I had to fit it in here. We tell you this directly from the Lord. This is the Apostle Paul talking. He's speaking about the apostles. We who are still living, when the Lord returns, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. Hmm. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet call of, can we hear it? With a trumpet call of God. This isn't God's trumpet, but One more time. I suspect that when the angel blows that trumpet, I'm telling you, the hair on your body is going to go. It's, it's kind of like somebody hanging on to one of them static balls. Where every little dimple and pimple is going to just rise up. It's going to be like, Hallelujah. This is exciting. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them. Then together with them. Then together with them. We who are still alive and remain together. Oh, wait. Remain on the earth. We'll be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. i got to hang on here. Yeah, thank you. Then we will be with the Lord forever. How long? Forever. No more tears. No more abuse. No more having to fight your demons. I can't wait. So encourage each other with these words. That's my red letter. So encourage each other. Encourage each other. When you hear one of your brothers or sisters fussing about everything going on, what should you say? Jesus is coming back. And he's going to take us to be with him. Now that's good news. Jumping into chapter 5, it says this, Now concerning how and when this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, <laughs> then disaster will fall on them. Now for you pregnant moms or moms who've had babies, you know what this is about. Suddenly, as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin, there will be no escape. How many of you women knew that those pains were about to start? I mean, you had a clue, right, as it got bigger, and you were just hoping, some of you, you were like, I just want this thing out of me. I've heard the stories. 
But you didn't know when those pains started, but the second they started, man, that meant everything was moving. And usually within a day or less, bloop. Pastor Barb walked into the hospital on, on her, our fourth one, Troy, and she gets in the hospital, and, and the nurse goes, you're going to have a baby. And she literally went, duh. <laughs> and the nurse looks at her, and she goes, no, you're having a baby. That baby's crowned. Get you in there. You're going to drop it on the floor. Yeah. Woohoo. Like I said, I've never experienced that, but just going by what Jesus said here, what Paul said. See the similarities between Paul's description and Jesus. There will be no escape. Verse 4, not, but you aren't in the dark. Say that, I'm not in the dark. You are not in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. You won't be surprised when the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. Verse 6, my highlights. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert which means keep watch and be clear-headed. Craig Keener, he's one of my favorite scholars as I learned through my master's program. Guy's brilliant. And he said this, he said, keep watch does not mean look for or anticipate immediately, but it borrows the image of a night watchman at his post. The believer must remain prepared for the Lord's coming, remaining alert and awake. Here's my fear as a pastor that our people have fallen asleep at the wheel, that you've lost interest in his coming and forgotten what it means to live in the last days. And if that's you, it's a dangerous place to live. Now, Keener goes on, and I wanted to share this with you on the screen. He said, we stay alert not by an artificially and perpetually stirring expectation that he will come at a given time, although that is part of it, but by living in such a manner that we would have no cause for shame if he did come at any time since he may, in fact, do so. Do you get that? Does that make sense to you? By, by keeping alert, it, it isn't just, oh, Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back. No, it means that we're going to live our lives as holy and pure, ready so that if Jesus comes back at any time, we don't have to go, oh, oh wait, wait, Jesus, uh, please forgive me for all my sins. too late. Twinkling of an eye, a nanosecond. That's how long it's going to take for the church to be out of here. Trumpet blows, boom. Dead in Christ go up, and then those who are still alive caught up with them. Rapture. If you haven't made your decision, or if you're wallowing, wallowing, is that a word? You're wallowing in sin, you're going to be wallowing in the sin after. And this leads to where I started. That's going to step on your toes. Anybody feel your toes hurting? Ironically, my middle one is hurting. It started hurting a couple days ago. When Jesus comes back, we must be living in such a way that we will not be put to shame. We don't want to be one of those mourning when the trumpet blows. We want to look up and be excited. He's here! That's all we're going to get out. We're gone. 
Now, I don't know, a lot of the renditions of people who've done this, they have piles of clothes left behind. I don't know what that's going to look like. If we go with or without clothes, it isn't going to matter because we're going to be in our glorified bodies. I don't know what that looks like, but it's going to be cool. And here's the warning. This is the warning to me. <laughs> Say, God gave you a warning? Uh-huh. And I'd never seen this before until I studied this out this week. I just skimmed over this part. At the end of Matthew 24, verses 45 to 51, Jesus said this. A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. Does that sound like a pastor to you? If the master returns and he finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a... That's what I want. I want a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But the right side of the butt, as I like to put it, what if the servant's evil? What if he thinks, well, my master won't be back for a while, so I can do whatever I want, right? I can party. I can beat my other servants. Now, I don't know too many pastors that beat their, their people. But I know a few that might take advantage of them. He went on to say, getting drunk? <laughs> wow. The master will return unannounced, unexpected. Verse 51, and he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. I do not want to go where the hypocrites go. As your pastor, that's why I'm sharing this message. That's why I felt like the Lord was saying, you need to step on some toes today. The time is short. I'm coming you must be ready, which means this. You cannot be wallowing in your sins anymore. you got to get real with God and real with yourself, and you need to start living according to the scriptural mandates that we find in the Bible. Obey the commands of Jesus. Whoo! I don't want the Lord to be able to accuse me of holding back on what he said. I want you guys ready. I want everybody here ready. You online, I want you ready. So I want to warn you. If you're living in sin, you must repent and turn back to Jesus. And if you've never done that, start there. I'm going to give you an opportunity here in just a minute. How many want to mourn when Jesus is coming in on that cloud? Anybody? Oh, no hands going up. Good, finally. I got a 100% consensus. How many, how many want to be excited and filled with joy when you see him coming? <laughs> then you know what to do. I want everybody to stand as Sarah comes up and plays softly. I didn't mean to add the emphasis on softly. If Sarah comes up and plays. When I read this, I'm just letting Paul do the dirty work here. You know, I could list all kinds of things, but he already did it in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, and then 22 and 23 are the fruits of the Spirit. And what I, what I noticed with the fruits of the Spirit, the last thing on that list with the fruit, the first thing is what? Love. We've been talking about that. See, we're already up to speed. We've been working on this. But the very last thing, self-control. Ah! And I, I really... I felt like this morning that the Lord was saying, you really need to emphasize that one when you get done this morning. 
So here we go. I want to share some of the things that Paul listed. These are sins, or what I like to call sinful lifestyles, that must be avoided at all costs. Galatians 5, 19, I've got it up behind me. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature. <laughs> Let me say this before I read the rest of the list. I believe that this generation is in one of the most precarious, tough spots of any generation before us because we have something nobody else had. We have an onslaught of things hitting us through television, computer, phone. No matter where you are at, that temptation follows you. And we're able to indulge, if you will. That's why we need self-control. We've got to fight that. Fight the urge. The results are very clear, Paul said, sexual immorality, and this includes anything involved with sex, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy. How many of you lived in homes like this or have? <laughs> Outbursts of anger, oh. I don't want to take up a lot of time, but I'm confessing. Okay, last week I talked about how God was helping me. Sunday afternoon, a friend calls me. His truck and trailer, he blew a tire on his truck. They were stranded on the side of 75, down by grilling. Could I come and help? The only place open was Walmart and Gaylord. So I said, yes. I wanted to take my holy nap. That's what pastors do after they get done unloading in here on a Sunday. You don't know how. Pastor Tom, is it exhausting? Yes. And I said yes. And my wife and I got in our truck, went down there, grabbed his tire. I want to tell you what. People are insane. They drive like... You think they slowed down? My goodness. We got his tire in the truck. We went and got it. And on the way there, three times, somebody got in front of me. I didn't cuss. I just got verbal. And Pastor Barb did one of those. You didn't even make it a day. she in here? Anyway. Oh, there you are. <laughs> What's my point? I have an anger issue. It has nothing to do with driving. <laughs> oh, bursts of anger. All right, going on. Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy. Oh, Lord. Drunkenness. Wild parties. Listen, I, I, I hear what the kids do today. Lord, help them. Lord, help them not to do that. There isn't a child on this planet that has enough IQ. They don't need every brain cell they have. And drinking and smoking marijuana and things like that, all they do is destroy the brain, the gray matter. Nobody can afford that. Sorry. Tangent. And other sins. See, the list isn't all-encompassing. What I'm planning on here is that God is speaking to you right now. He's showing you what's not right. And you have to decide what that looks like. And I want to open the altar. For what? <laughs> so you can repent. Paul said this at the end. Let me tell you again, as I have before. Anyone, say anyone. Anyone, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
If you're living in sin, you're living in danger of being on the receiving end of God's wrath. And I love all of you. I've already said that, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I want everybody here to be ready. And in order to be ready, you must, you must, you must say yes to Jesus. And if there's something tripping you up, some kind of sinful lifestyle that you're dealing with, you need to get delivered today. You need to get up here right now. Get on your knees, get on your face, and say, Lord, grab your neighbor if they, if they need help. If you don't want to come alone, grab your neighbor, grab your friend. Just say, hey, will you go up with me? It's my prayer. Holy Spirit, right now, convict anybody here in this room online, Lord. And if, if, if you need to do this online, just get on your face, get on your knees at home. Don't wait. Don't wait. Do it right now. You want to be ready? You, when that trumpet blows, you want to be taken up with all of God's people? When the angels go out taking us home, you want to be ready? Then you've got to do this. You've got to be right with the Lord. Your sins must be covered by the blood of Jesus. By the blood of the Lamb. Again, Paul said this, they will not inherit the kingdom of God if they're living like this. You know if you're a drunk. You know if you have a lustful eye. You know if you're having sex outside of marriage, which seems to be a pretty common thing today. But you know what? You're going to be judged for that. That's outside of the bounds of God. If you know anything about Scripture, it says you will not fornicate. You will not have sex outside of marriage. The marriage bed is pure. It's holy. God ordained it. But we can't just go around having sex with whoever we want to have sex with. That is a sin. And I don't care how you try to justify it. If you're a gossip, if you're one of those who like cutting others down, <laughs> if that's your lifestyle, you know what? God's going to cut you asunder if you don't get right with Him. Anybody that causes division in His church and His family, you are in danger of eternal hell. Get right with the Lord, repent. Repent. Here's the thing. If you walk out of here today, and I'm about ready to wrap this up, and you're still living in sin, you may not get another Sunday to repent. Like a thief in the night, this could be our last Sunday on earth. And the Lord's going to say, it's time. Go get them. Are you ready? Last call. I'm going to count to three. If you need to be up here, get up here. Nobody's here to judge you. Nobody's here to judge you. The one that's going to judge you is Jesus. On the count of three, you want to be up here? You want to be here for this prayer? You get up here. One. Come on now. Holy Spirit's working on people. Two. Don't linger. Three. Come on, anybody else? I want to pray with you. We're going to pray together, aren't we, church? We're not looking at faces. We're not looking at people. We're not looking at <gasps> like that. What I'm thankful for is that these are saints who want to be ready. When that trumpet blows, Brother Dave, one more time. When that trumpet blows and the angels are sent out and they take God's people up, whoo, you're going to be ready. Every single person here and online, if you're praying this prayer with us, you're going to be ready. This isn't some magical, mystical prayer that we're going to pray here. You have to be dedicated to it and persevere. And I want you to 
fight with everything God gives you, which is the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness. I always miss a couple of them. And goodness and self-control. I probably still missed one. Father, we thank you again for everything you're doing here at The Hope. And and I trust, Lord, for those watching online as well, that you are here. You are there in their living rooms. And Lord, you are doing what only you can do. You are changing us from the inside out. You are preparing us, Lord, to be ready so that when you come back for your church, which we believe could be any minute, any time, we're ready. We don't have to worry about it. All we have to do is keep watch, keep alert, and live this life that you've given us so freely to the glory of God. And that's my prayer for every person here. Hallelujah, that you just do what only you can do. And just stay where you are if you would. I'm just going to lay hands on you if that's okay. I'm just going to touch you real gently if that's okay. Lord, in the name of Jesus, just touch these people. Equip them for every good work, Lord. We pray for breakthroughs. We pray for deliverance, Lord. We pray that you would give these children of God, Lord, everything they need in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you would just work out all the details in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, Lord, just empower them, equip them. It is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by the Spirit of the living God that you have the victory in Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you have the victory. Hallelujah. You have the victory in the name of Jesus. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in this world. No weapon formed against the children of God will prosper. Hallelujah. And you are God's children. You are Jesus' own, grafted into the vine. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord. Just equip them. Empower them, Lord. Fill them with your precious Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, I want everybody here to say this with me. Church, I'd ask you to pray with us. Heavenly Father, we desperately need Jesus. He went to the cross for me. I believe that. By faith. If I'd been the only one, he still would have died for me. Today, I confess my sins to you, known and unknown. Forgive me, Lord. Whatever it is that you've been facing, say it softly, say it in front of God. I'm just going to say mine out loud because I already said it. Anger. Oh, God, help me. Forgive me of anger, Lord. Forgive us of our sins in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray and I believe that our sins are covered under the blood. And once they're under the blood, they're under the blood. Did you hear me, church? Once they're under the blood, say that with me. Once they're under the blood, they're under the blood. What does that mean? Don't go back and dig them up. As Scripture says, don't go back like a dog goes back to his vomit. I know that's a really pleasant thought just before lunch. Lord, help us to live for you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit today in the name of Jesus and give us all the strength and power to overcome every temptation, every stumbling block put in front of us. And when that trumpet blows, Lord, we say this personally I want to be ready so I give you my life and all that I am all that I have I give it to you Lord in Jesus name amen amen hallelujah hallelujah okay this isn't the end this is just the beginning right This is the start of something wonderful, which we have a little booklet, if you haven't already gotten it, called The New Life, The Start of Something Wonderful. They'll be uh, over here on your way out, whatever. Grab one if you haven't already. They're free. 
And it, it will help you get a good start in this new life that you're beginning today. I love you guys. <laughs> I wouldn't preach messages like this if I didn't. If I hated you, I would have kept this one to myself. But I love you too much to do that. Plus, I don't want to be called a hypocrite. So, get out of here. Have a great day. We're having our uh, pumpkin patch thing at, at 1 o'clock. If you don't know anything about it, talk to somebody at guest service. Otherwise, Lord, keep everybody safe, and they're coming in and they're going. Bless our afternoon at the pumpkin patch. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.